Welcome to episode number 20 of Beyond 24 Days. Today, diet or lifestyle? Ken gets into trail running, our upcoming races, and what's cooking with Brooke. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Beyond 24 Days podcast with your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Beyond 24 Days is focused on healthier living by promoting whole and natural foods while supporting your local, responsible producers. You can follow us on social media Beyond 24 Days, where we share our food ideas and recipes. And now your hosts, Brooke and Ken. Hey everybody and welcome back. Well, uh, you voiced your opinions and said that I've talked too much. So in this episode, Brooke will do most of the talking. Not all the talking. I think most of the talking. Today we're going to talk a little bit about diet versus lifestyle, how it's affected us and what that means for us. And everybody else. And everyone else. So without further ado, diet or lifestyle, and go. Um, I just wanted to do this episode about diet versus lifestyle, because this is something, I mean, we've been doing this now for, what, two and a half years? And I feel like this is something, not that we struggle with, but other people struggle with. We're constantly hearing, well, that's not on your diet. That's not on your diet. Should you be eating that? That's not on your diet. Oh man, you don't you shouldn't eat that. That's not on your diet. But I think a diet's where we would be telling ourselves that we can't eat certain things. Whereas a lifestyle, you learn to eat certain things but also compensate for what you're eating. You're a little bit more conscious about what you're putting into your body. Well, I always think of a diet as something that's temporary. Oh, I want to lose 10 pounds so I can fit in this dress for so-and-so's wedding. I'm not going to eat chocolate for a month. But that's a diet. Um, It's a temporary fix. It's not a solution. And when we fully committed to this, we, we decided to change our lifestyle so we knew we had to cut certain things out, but it, it wasn't like a death sentence. You don't have to do it forever. So if you had a, like a really good two weeks, you hit the gym, you've stayed on track with your meal planning, so what if you have a slice of pizza on a Saturday? You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to gain back. We're not going to gain back the, the 70 pounds that we lost in, in one night just from eating one slice of pizza. Except for me, I can't eat pizza. Well, okay. Or else I fish. Tomato pie. Tomato pie. <laughs> uh, that's well. That's the other thing too. Is you also have to watch on the weekends. You can get carried away, and I've known. Well, during the holidays, it's pretty easy to kind of just. Oh well, it's a, you know it's the holiday season. I can do whatever. Um, but you have to be sort of mindful because you can gain a few pounds over the weekend. But that's the thing. If your lifestyle is in check, those few pounds really mean nothing in the long run. If you maintain your lifestyle, you'll you'll probably end up cutting those pounds out anyway. I also associate diet with worrying about the number that's on the scale. I can't tell you the last time I've actually weighed myself. Mm. I go by the fit of my clothing. Uh, I'm pretty guilty. You're You're obsessed with weighing yourself. I do. Well, it's it's twofold purpose. If I do a lot of running, I want to weigh myself to make sure that I'm not overtraining. If I notice that I'm there's a sharp decrease in my weight, then I know that there are possible signs of overtraining and I don't want to end up hurting myself. So I do weigh myself more often than not. Some days, you know, I have good days, I have bad days. I think I'm more critical on myself than I should be. But 
a lot of me weighing myself is just to keep myself in check. I just go by my clothing. Well, that too. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I can say thankfully, even though um, I've probably put on a good 10 pounds from what I was last year, um, just this year, even though I've been doing a lot more running, something that I've noticed I've been doing a lot more is eating as well. But all my clothes still fit. Um, I still fit into my size 32 pants. I'm okay with that. Um, but I do need to work on some of my problem areas where <laughs> all of my weight seems to go anyway. But anyway, I digress. Those beautiful problem areas. Mm. But I think first things first is if you're really going to take the plunge into the, the clean eating lifestyle, you need to establish what's best for you. Like we mentioned, when we first started our podcast, we started our journey out by doing the AdvoCare 24-Day Challenge. They gave us slim guidelines of, you know, things that we were to avoid during those 24 days. And because Ken and I are sort of perfectionists, we took that and we kind of went to extremes. Like they told us that we had to cut dairy out for the first 10 days of the 24 days challenge. Well, it's been almost two and a half years and we've still cut dairy out. You know, I had somebody say to me after the 10 days, well, you're not eating cheese as one of your healthy approved snacks. I was like, nope, no more dairy. You know, we, we just, we threw the salt out of our cooking. You know, we stopped eating white sugar. Yeah, the... When you first do the 24-day challenge, now we, we're kind of behind the times because they have come out with a 180 program or some, it's like an 80-day program. We're not really in in the know on that whole thing. But there is, um, just based off of the 24-day challenge experience that we have, when we first went through it, they gave you just enough interest, just enough information, I guess, to pique your interest. And it really forced you to go outside of what you were comfortable with and really do your own research. So when we started, um, Brooke mentioned no dairy, no sugar, no salt, a lot of the whites, no white flour. We have um, some guidelines on our website um, that say like the don'ts, what you should avoid. We found that when we cut all these things out, we actually felt really good. And after that 10-day, first 10-day cleanse phase is what they call it, we felt absolutely amazing and i contribute a lot to that to the fact that i'm lactose intolerant and we also were consuming a ton of sugary drinks and we cut all of that out and i think that made the best impact for us and naturally when you do something and you feel good you want to continue that so we were able to establish that's what worked best for us that's how we were able to maintain and feel great so so once you establish, okay, this is how I'm going to live my new lifestyle. I'm not going to eat dairy anymore. I'm not going to eat large amounts of salt. I'm going to watch my sodium intake or I'm going to cut out all white sugar. In starts coming people who are going to make you doubt yourself. Well, how are you getting your calcium if you're not eating dairy? How are you going to get your protein if you're not eating this? How, you know, it just comes as onslaught. Now, how are you going to enjoy life if you don't have that slice of pizza? There's always the people who think that you're in misery for some reason when really you're thriving, but everybody else around you just sees misery. 
And it, it gets disheartening. You think, well, what's this going to hurt? But it's a snowball effect. Misery loves company and other people, even if someone is your friend. And it's not even intentional. But people often don't like to see other people do things that are different from what's considered, I guess, normal. So we had a lot of friends of ours being like, well, why are you denying yourself ice cream? I'm sorry. I can't have dairy. I don't like to have problems with my uh, guts. I guess we'll keep this PG rated. We Um, heard a lot of, well, you look good now, but I mean, really, how long are you going to stay this way? You know, we heard that a few times. It's been over two and a half years. I think it's we're on three, right? It'll be three this summer. Yeah. It'll be three this summer. But I mean, yeah, like he said before, you know, we have put on 10 pounds here. You know, we'll lose five of that 10, put two more back on. Our weight's not, you know, consistent. It doesn't always stay where it is, but we still maintain those tools to know, what we're doing is healthy or what we've done over the weekend is not healthy and we need to get ourselves back on track. We know our bodies now after this, this amount of time. I know that there are certain foods that I can eat and get away with eating maybe once every so often. If I eat it more than just once, then I can definitely tell pork being one of them. There is so much sodium in pork this past Easter holiday. We -hmm. had ham and it's delicious. I like it. Tastes good. But I have a there's a moral thing why I don't like eating pork. I won't get into that. But um, there's so much salt and sodium in it that I get headaches. And it just I can't seem to drink enough water whenever we have ham. So I'll tolerate it two times a year. But other than that, I try to avoid it at all costs. Just ethical reasons and just health implications. So I feel like once you establish your lifestyle, lifestyle is a broad term. When we first started this journey, I guess we could just say we jumped on the whole, we're going to be clean. We're going to eat clean. We're on the clean eating bandwagon, which once we started doing research and reading books and we figured out what was best for our body, we actually... uh, we fell into the lifestyle. We are called flexitarians. Yes. So, I mean, you're either vegetarian, vegan, and flexitarian. We do allow, like we said before, we do allow meat into our diet, at, you know, once, twice a week. But for the most part, everything else is vegetarian-based. And we only do vegan mostly because of just the no dairy aspect of things. A lot of vegetarian recipes that you see have a lot of cheeses, cream sauces, cream sauces. So we try to avoid a lot of that just because again, we're establishing what's what blah, 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 we're establishing what works best. Why can't I talk tonight? I don't know. Establishing what works best for us. There we go. And no dairy is what works best for us. So There you go. So just kind of to recap here, Difference between diet and lifestyle. If you're looking for a temporary fix, by all means, if you just need to lose five pounds for a weekend to fit in a dress, you know, go and do the keto diet, you know, Atkins, which kind of scares me when I see. Yeah, we try not to get on the big name kicks because uh, they just seem like 
funky diet. I don't know. Just just be you. Just you quick know? fixes. Work. Eat, eat what's best for you. You know what I mean? I just I don't know how to explain that, but the whole Atkins thing seems kind of weird. If you know somebody who lives an alternative lifestyle to the way you live, just just be just be nice about it. You know, you don't have to not invite your friends over or feel scared to go to their house. You know, my family's great about it. My mom will just say, hey, this is what I was planning on making for dinner. Is this, is this going to be okay? They're always very mindful. Or the one time my sister said, you know, I was going to make something, and then I remembered that Ken can't have dairy. Should I not make it? Is it okay? It, it's, it's just a simple, you know, hey, this is what I plan to do. Are you okay with it? And for the most part, I try not to shun other people like, oh, you can't make that because I don't eat dairy. People can make whatever they want whenever we go to a family gathering. I just know there are some things that I'm just not going to eat. So they can make whatever they want. And no offense, I'm just not going to partake in it. That's right. Don't don't be offended. So segueing off, um, what I think is really great, uh, I know I talked before about how part of my, my new job this year has been going to schools and, you know, giving a little bit of nutritional advice to kids. So I went to another school again, and we did a really interesting nutritional demonstration where we talked about alternative protein sources. So we talked about different lifestyles, and, you know, the kids who I who I go and speak to know that our family's flexitarian. So this time I had made several different things that didn't include meat. And the response was great. I was really happy. And there was actually, uh, and this was third grade, third grade age, there was actually a few vegetarians in the classes who really appreciate it and enjoyed the dishes that I made. Well, they're saying now that the, you know, I hate to use the term millennial, but they're saying that a lot of the millennials now are more flexitarian than anything else. And that these millennials are having kids and they're raising them in sort of a flexitarian sort of lifestyle that we are also introducing to our kids and showing them that there are more options than just regular old meat and potatoes. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But And I'd like to add where Ken's getting his source of information is actually from me because... Uh, <laughs> She's the educated one of the group. <laughs> Another... Uh, Great thing is um, through the School Nutrition Association, every Wednesday I get to take these amazing webinars. And I was so stoked when I saw that this past Wednesday, their webinar of the week, uh, excuse me, the month or the week was plant-based eating in the K through 12 school system. And I was a little blown away by this. It was an amazing webinar. It broke down the different lifestyles to people, the different forms of being a vegetarian um, and it just, it, it showed different recipes and it, and it did. And like Ken was saying, um, you know, like 60% of millennials represent themselves as flexitarian, uh, millennials and Gen Z, they are eating less meat, more for ethical and, uh, you know, ways to protect our planet reasons like that. There was a percentage of baby boomers who are flexitarian or completely plant-based. And, you know, it explained that that's more for health reasons. They realized the health benefits of it, whereas the younger people, the younger generations are looking at it more towards we need to protect this earth that we're living on. 
Yeah, man, go us. <laughs> so, I mean, that's been my whirlwind of nutritional education. I'm actually taking another webinar this week about clean eating. Oh. Yeah. That, that also, I've seen uh, some other Instagrammers, other bloggers, sort of shunning the whole clean eating aspect, saying that uh, they hate that term and that it's sort of a derogatory, has a derogatory annotation when you're speaking about food. Well, I mean, I look at some things, if you go onto Pinterest and you, you know, type in the search engine, clean eating recipes, there are some things that pop up and I'm like, what the are you people thinking? This, this is like the least healthiest recipe I've ever, you know, seen in my life. But somehow it ends up in the clean eating section. And like I said, you guess you need to establish what's good for you. And if you think that cheese and heavy cream in your food is good for you, I guess my, it's, it's a clean dish. Yeah, my, my advice would be just try it. Try going without dairy products for a week. And see how you feel. And surprisingly, everyone that I've talked to that has done that has said after the week they actually feel lighter, which is funny because that's the exact feeling that I got when we had cut out cheese and other dairy products as well. Well, all right. There you have it. Straight from the experienced mouths of Ken and Brooke, <laughs> Diet vs. Lifestyle. Hopefully that shed some light on the subject for you. I don't know if it confuses you even more with all these new eating styles, flexitarian, vegetarian, I guess you simply what we're just trying to say is if you ever see Ken and I eating a piece of cake, please don't, don't tell us. Don't tell us it's not on our diet. Don't you judge us. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, why don't we take a break? This is a good time to... Oh, look, here comes the music for the segment. Here we go. Anyway, when we come back, uh, some running tips with me... And some What's Cooking with Brooke with Brooke. Stay tuned. And welcome back. We're here. We hope you're still there too. Anyway, um, what's new with me? Trail running. That's what's new. I am totally hooked on trail running. It is an entirely new experience. And speaking of other people trying to tell you what to do, when I tell people that I love running, everyone says the same thing to me over and over again. <laughs> That's for your knees. That is awful for your knees. You're going to regret that. But, and I will link to the Runner's World article as well as if you just search, search Google for trail running, is it good or bad for you? You'll find that studies have shown that trail running is actually less impactful on your joints and actually better for you. And I find when I do trail running, it's more of an all around total body workout versus just focused on one area. So I thoroughly enjoy trail running. So here are just some trail running tips for those of you that are looking to get into trail running. I know I've talked about, uh, well, I'm also going to throw in some shameless plugs as well for products. <laughs> um, I love to use body glide on skin-to-skin uh, -skin contact areas that helps prevent any sort of road rash or, or what do they call that? Rashes from abrasion. Anyway, I usually just put the body glide on the insides of my legs that helps prevent any sort of rashes forming. But recently, 
Uh, I really love my Merrell running shoes, but I've been getting blisters on my feet because um, trail running <clears throat> isn't as a smooth and level surface as road running. So every time your foot falls, the position of the shoe is a little bit different every time. Long story short, I've been getting blisters on my feet, and I've tried all kinds of different tactics to help improve it. And I found that if I wear nice running socks, two pairs of running socks on each foot, and also apply body glide to the bottom of my feet, I've noticed I didn't get any blisters this last time, and it was a rather enjoyable experience. Another thing, too, is before running, sometimes um, I'm kind of up in the air. People ask me all the time, do I eat before I run? Uh, What do I do for fuel while I'm running on the go? Do I take anything at all? And just for the general rule of thumb, for me, I typically won't take anything to eat or drink um, if the run is going to be 10 miles or less. Anything over 10 miles, I'll usually bring a snack. With trail running, I don't carry any snacks with me because the seven-mile loop that we do it's relatively within distance from where our vehicles are parked, so I guess I could at some point always go back to my car, but uh, maybe things will change in the summertime. But I don't really carry anything with me. Trail running, though, you burn a lot more calories, so it would be smart to carry a small snack. One of the things that I have found that I keep with me uh, is none um, tablets that I put in my water. None makes an electrolyte tablet that helps replace all those electrolytes I found after trail running. I'm a lot more sweatier. I'm a lot more tired than regular road running. And um, just a quick bottle with a nun tab in it. And I'm usually pretty good to go after that. Also, Honey Stinger. I love the waffles. I love the energy chews. Those are really great um, during and after my runs. Before I run, I usually try to just go on an empty stomach Um, making sure that I'm well hydrated before that. So in the mornings I get up and I'll have a lot of water to drink. And I usually drink a bottle of water before I go running. So I just try to stay hydrated mostly. And then food usually comes after all of that. I'm sure you've all been dying to know about all that trail (laughs) running experience. Another piece of advice is we have a local running club. Shout out to the Lancaster Roadrunners Club. Um, I've been following them on Facebook for a long time and just never pulled the trigger and never joined the club um, and just saw that they constantly would post these different running group runs. And I would always tell myself I was going to go and never did. And finally, after months and months of following them, I decided to pull the trigger and went out. And it's an awesome experience. So if you have a local running club, look them up, search Google, search Facebook, see if you have a local running club, and make an attempt to go out and join them on a run. You won't regret it. It's been an awesome experience ever since. I am totally hooked, and I have to say a lot of it is because of the group. It's just, it's so much fun being able to run with um, a group of like-minded people. We're all just there to run and have a good time, and that's about it. Um, So I think they get a little offended because you don't want to stay and eat their banana bread and beer afterwards. You just want to come home and shower. And yeah, they're that social. They just kind of like to, uh, yes. And I have, I did, I did stay the one time we had, we had some banana bread, but I think they got offended because I literally ate and ran home again (laughs) because, um, you know, Sunday mornings got a lot of stuff on our plate and it's just, uh, I try to get my run in and then run home to make the most of the day. Anyway, um, that's pretty much all I had to offer as far as shameless plugs and trail running. (laughs) 
We have several upcoming races. Oh, yes. This week is the Hot Chocolate 15K in Philadelphia. I'm pretty excited about that. And Ken gets a special, an extra award because this is your Must be my third, third year. year running. So they have a legacy program for those individuals running for your third, fourth, and fifth year. Um, I don't, I just actually posted on my own blog. I'm not sure how it works. And then I saw that the day of the race, I have to go and pick up my special legacy award. Um, I haven't seen any follow-up emails from my initial inquiry to them, so I don't even know if it's 100% if I'm going to be included in this or not. We'll find out. Stay tuned. I'm sure you'll find out. (laughs) Uh, April 28th, we will be going to our favorite place in the whole world, Gettysburg, and we are doing the hard cider run. This is our third year in a row doing the hard cider run, and that course just does not get any easier. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think with all the trail running that I've been doing, it's it's definitely going to help. Well, um, the hard cider run is more of a off-road course than anything else. It's only a 5K, but it's literally one of the hardest 5K courses I've ever done. It's very hilly. There is no compromise when it comes to the terrain of this course. There are grapevines just waiting to trip you it's pretty tough (laughs) if you've never run through a vineyard uh this is a great race i can't speak for all the hard cider run series races but the one that's local to us is pretty it's pretty tough and then in june we have relay for life i don't know if i'm going to do 50 miles again like i did last year that was uh pretty painful i think i destroyed myself from ever running no, I'm back at it. But. You better take it easy because shortly after that, you have Ragnar. Oh, yes. We do have Ragnar Relay that I signed up for that a friend of mine wrote me into. It sounds like a lot of fun, and I've been training so much for it. I'm a little, a little disappointed because the legs that I signed up for initially, the course was changed, and now instead of running 15 total miles, I think I'm only running like 11 total miles. And I feel bad because... Some of the other team members have to cover around 20 miles total. So I'm trying to see if I can switch with somebody or um, if they'll just let me run along as a moral support, moral support runner. I'll probably, I'll probably end up doing that just so that way I can say I ran more than what was allotted. And those are all the races we have signed up for. If anybody out there who is a listener has ever had any experience with the inflatable 5K? I've had my eye on that. It looks really fun. Uh, prices right now aren't too bad. So if anybody's ever had experience with that and have done has done an inflatable 5K before, let us know. I'd like to hear some... Yeah, want to hear some firsthand thoughts. Yeah. Speaking of firsthand thoughts, Brooke, what is cooking? Lots of stuff has been cooking. But as usual, we don't have time to talk about everything. No. So I picked out some of our favorites since the last podcast. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, vegan chili fries. These were absolutely amazing. I did a hand-cut French fry made out of russet potatoes. And on top of that uh, was a really... Heavy on tomato uh, chili that was made with kidney beans and quinoa in place of the ground beef. So, you know, when you eat like a chili fry or a chili dog, that ground beef is really fine. Mm. Uh, And that's kind of what the quinoa gave to it. Top that over the fries 
We put some cilantro and onions on there, some avocado, and I added black olives, which was not in the recipe, but it just made it. It just made it. It was delicious. And we actually had picked up some new almond cheese from Trader Joe's, um, excuse me, Whole Foods. And it's not in the picture on Instagram, but, you know, had to add a little bit of cheese to the chili fries. Almond cheese. I was... Yeah, I was more blown away by the hand-cut fries. If you go to our Instagram page and scroll back about 12 pictures, um, you'll see those are some pretty pristine-cut, hand-cut French fries. I was (laughs) blown away. Culinary artiste, Brooke. Culinary artiste. Uh, The next meal was sort of a... I saw the recipe. It kind of intrigued me. It was a fusion between an Italian dish and a Thai dish. Had the right amount of flavor in it. It was so good. I think you liked it. Um, the red. <laughs> I think you liked it. I only say that because one of Ken's most unfavorite things is gnocchi. I love gnocchi. Texturally, Ken does not like gnocchi. But nope. I thought you said that it was pretty tasty. It was really good. Um, I, I didn't say what it was. I'm sorry. Uh, it was a vegan red Thai curry gnocchi. Mm. Yeah, gnocchi, I... No, no. <laughs> he he doesn't so like weird. it. You said it reminds you of grubs. It looks like a big grub. <laughs> and it just, I don't know, freaks me out every time. I've watched too many episodes of Bear Grylls eating like bugs and stuff. And this is one that just... Oh, man. I'm sorry if I ruined it for anyone else. <laughs> but uh. but uh, the gnocchi sat in a really nice coconut broth mixed with Thai red curry. And there was some tomatoes and spinach mixed in with it. I, I just thought it was really delicious. I think because the gnocchi absorbed a lot. I had it the day after. So I think a lot of the absorbed flavors uh, were in the actual pasta itself. So it didn't it texturally wasn't the same that I'm usually scared of. So. <laughs> all in all, it was very good. Moving forward, we had to traditionally hit a St. Patrick's Day kind of favorite. So I went with a vegan white bean shepherd's pie. The top was just a vegan red skin mashed potato. Um, The inside was your typical mixed vegetables, except there was broccoli in this, which I thought was really tasty. And there was um, navy beans, Mm. white uh, little navy beans mixed in with the vegetables. And the cream sauce, instead of gravy, there was a vegan cream sauce that was made with pureed cauliflower. Yeah, it was really good. And it was really... um, Filling. Yeah, and after we let it cool down, it held together really well, just like shepherd's pie. So the picture... That's on Instagram. We opened that up as soon as we pulled it out of the oven. So it was a little bit on the soupy side, soupier side. But honestly, after a couple of minutes, once those starches started to solidify, it really thickened up and it was really hearty and super, super tasty. The next meal I'm going to bring up is one of Ken's favorites since the last podcast. Uh, I made a barbecued carrot taco and you heard me i said carrot tacos ken actually had to um shut somebody down on twitter who made fun of our carrot tacos yeah don't judge don't judge (laughs) until you've had that i know it sounds crazy we've done a couple of vegan recipes with carrots vegan taco or um what was that vegan hot dogs 
that were roasted yes. carrots. It was just roasted carrots, and we also did like a pulled pork. And let me tell you something. When this is the, the spices, and there's so much <clears throat> background going on that you honestly, I can't tell you that it's carrots. It tastes like extremely tender meat. We put them through the food processor and shredded them up. So you had that shredded meat texture mixed with barbecue sauce. Um, I think we had a little avocado going on in there, some vegan ranch. And again, we used the almond cheese. And um, we heated up some corn tortillas. Yes. So don't knock it until you've tried it. The carrot recipes that are pulled pork or even hot dog vegan recipes are delicious. And not everything on my list today is vegan. The next amazing meal that we had was beef samosas. Our favorite way to make samosas is just to take egg roll wrappers. Um, I know some recipes, the recipe actually that I made actually called for puff pastry, but we're a huge fan of the egg roll wrapper. There wasn't a, a huge amount of beef in these. It was a really nice ratio of beef to potato and peas and other vegetables. It's the lazy man's method for making samosas, I think. <laughs> I, um, you know, we bake ours. Delicious. We don't fry them. We bake them. And these were amazing. The spices in these, the house just smelled amazing. They smelled like authentic Indian cuisine. It's a shame that people can't smell our house when we're cooking <laughs> these awesome foods. I paired that up with some, I took just plain old couscous and into the water before, you know, you boiled the couscous, I added curry and several other spices. So we had like a curried couscous that went with it. And just kind of stuck to my Indian theme that night. Spicy couscous. It, they were delicious. delicious. And um, we actually dipped them in a little bit of Sir Kensington. There's a little bit of product placement. We mm. love Sir Kensington's ketchup. We get the jalapeno ketchup. It's just Not good. as spicy as you would think, but it's really good. <laughs> And the last meal uh, was one of my favorites. I made a smoked barbecued lentil. And the really, really unique thing about this meal was that the barbecue sauce is homemade and it's made out of something completely unexpected. You take carrots and onions and garlic and boil them until they're tender. And you put them through a high-speed blender with molasses and chili powder and all sorts of other ingredients. And you make your barbecue sauce out of carrots. Again, vegan carrot recipes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was made out of carrots? That was made out of carrots. Again, couldn't even tell you. It was delicious. Yeah. And I just served that over top of a plain baked russet potato, and we had some asparagus on the side. It was delicious. Huh. So that's what was cooking in our kitchen since the last podcast. All good stuff. All good stuff. Delicious, the good stuff. So and, not, and not all vegan or vegetarian. There's Right, meats. there was some, you know, we had, we had some soup and, and stuff with meat in it. We have the meats. <laughs> but... Um, to round out my segment here, we like to do our new thing called shameless product placement. We've been trying all sorts of new and interesting things. Um, I'm going to be honest, just the way Ken was honest about his disdain for gnocchi. I like ginger, but I'm not huge on not huge on ginger, but my kids love ginger. And the ginger people, do you ever see the little candies called gingins? We happen to be at a... Um, 
a community health store and my kids just spotted a glass bottle full of the ginger people's ginger syrup. You know, it was for pancakes and things like that. It's a little too strong for me. It's a little too much ginger for me, but I know Ken and the kids love it. Compared to maple syrup, it is, it's got like a, it's got like a kick. It's got like a ginger kick to it. It's really good. And when you mix it with certain things, it's even awesome. I know Brooke didn't mention the matcha pancakes that I made. Oh, yes. But let's back up here. Those matcha pancakes were made even better by the ginger people's ginger syrup. Delicious. And we've been on an extreme granola kick lately. I don't know if it's because every time I go to the discount grocery store, there's, you know, just all sorts like plethoras of amazing looking granola. I've just been grabbing granolas left and right. And Ken's been experimenting with all these different granolas, mixing them together and eating them as cold cereals. So a few that we've gotten recently that are just delicious is Bare Naked, a chocolate granola. Mm -hmm. We went to Whole Foods recently and picked up an Engine 2 because we are huge fans of the Forks Over Knives and Engine 2 uh, lifestyle. And we picked up a blueberry vanilla Mm -hmm. granola from them. And hopefully I'm saying this right. Uh, Udi had cashews and there was banana chips in that, I believe. Yep. Yeah. I actually mixed up a, well, you forgot one, purely Elizabeth. Well, that's an oatmeal. oatmeal. That's why I didn't, I oh, didn't mention Oh, that. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> well, We've had purely Elizabeth granola. So when I saw purely Elizabeth oatmeal uh, on the shelf, I quick grabbed it because the granola was so delicious. I knew the oatmeal would be as well. If you go to our Instagram, we have, we're playing around with the Instagram stories and we have grocery favorites on our profile. And we have the bare naked granola. We have the engine two granola. And the other day when I got back from my run, rather than having a sugary cereal, I mixed together a quarter cup. Yeah. A quarter cup of the pure Elizabeth oatmeal with a quarter cup of the engine two granola, a quarter cup of the UD granola or however you pronounce that. And I mixed that all together with some flax milk, which is, Another. Last on my list. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry. No, it's all right. And also uh, chopped up a banana. And I let the flax milk kind of absorb into the granolas for about five minutes. And it made the perfect breakfast, uh, I guess, oatmeal, granola. Granola. Put a little bit of that ginger people ginger syrup on it. It was delicious. Um, yeah. And like Ken said, flax milk is something that has become a new staple in our house as well. Every time I see it, I usually grab it. Um, I think our kids like it because it has that white color. You know, you know, kids, you can't trick them. You put almond milk in their cereal and they want to know why it's like a tinge, a tinge darker than a regular cup of milk. Kids are kids until you put something (laughs) different and then become like a CSI detective. (laughs) So the nice thing about the flax milk is it's a pure white color, just like milk. So our kids actually were tricked into thinking that we bought real dairy milk. Uh, Come on. They know better by now. (laughs) So um, those are my my products that I've been pretty keen on since the last podcast. All righty. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this evening. Thank you all again so much for joining us. Like I said, be sure to check our Instagram and our Facebook page where we're going to be posting new updates 
And like I said before in the last podcast, we do have some guests lined up for the show. It's just a matter of making the time to sit down with them and actually record something worthwhile. But anyway, stay tuned for more. We have plenty to talk about in the next coming weeks after all the upcoming races and after, of course, eating more adventurous foods in this new world (laughs) that we call flexitarian or that (laughs) we're being told we're called flexitarians. But anyway, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye.